Welcome, everyone. Um, this, we are from Access Animation. My name is Fridl Juste, and I'm an animation supervisor at Access Animation. Um, just before we start, um, if you've missed any of the previous sessions today, it's all been recorded as podcasts, and you can just check out the BEFTA Guru website to catch up. Okay. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Luke Smith, and I'm one of the senior animators at Access. Uh, I was a senior animator on season one and season two of Happy as well. Um, before we start, I just thought we'd check out, has everybody seen Happy? Or if you haven't, it's on Netflix, oh, uh, season one is. A lot of people seen it, wow. Season two will be on there soon, hopefully later in the year, so check yeah. it out. We hope the fact that you're here means that you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the animation. Yeah. Nice. Well, if you liked season one, you're definitely going to like season two. Um, it just takes everything to another level. Um, all right, let's get started. Um, so, yes, Happy. So um, just a bit of a rundown, like Access Animation exists out of three studios. So um, Access Glasgow is where a large part of the animation was done. Um, Access Glasgow mainly focuses on like cinematics for games or um, in recent years we've done like two straight to DVD Monster High feature films. Um, we've done well a lot of game cinematics, but we've we've done season, Happy Season One, and we've also done Kiss Me First. Uh, don't know if anybody saw that, but that was also done in Glasgow. And then recently, um, but for Happy Season One, we opened up the London branch. There was always a little branch there, but like for Happy Season One, we opened a proper little studio so we can actually get some animators from London working from there. So for Happy, we had a team of probably around 30 animators or so working from Glasgow, and then about 10 to 15 animators working in London. And then we've also got the Bristol side, which is partly also why I think Access landed this project, because Bristol is where most of the VFX gets done. So they've been doing some TV series work and everything, and they've been working with Artman on a couple of stuff. Um, so yeah, the fact that Glass, uh, Access had like the two animation setups for pretty much animating the character, and then as well the VFX side to for all the live action stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's Access in a quick rundown. So a lot of people were involved in season one and season two. Um, this is a large part of the team in Glasgow for Happy. Um, we've got the London little group. It's like a group of ninja animators working from there. And then we've got the Bristol guys in Bristol. <laughs> and they all got really cool merchandise that we're still waiting for. <laughs> um, what is Happy? Okay, so okay, you guys have seen Happy, so you, you most of you have seen it, so you kind of know what it is. It is insane, it is crazy, it is everything that I didn't know it would be when I first started on the show. <laughs> um, it is based on the graphic novel. I don't know if anyone's actually read the, or seen the graphic novel, but um, it's a graphic novel by Grant Morrison and Derek, Derek Robertson. And yeah, it's the same. It's crazy, it's insane, it's violent, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and I don't know if anybody knows, but Grant Morrison is from Glasgow, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. from Glasgow. Yeah, so anyway, so and he's got some connections as well. Um, he's, I think he's friends of our head of art, and somehow some connections happened, and Access was approached to do this show. So yeah, so we were pretty much just tasked with taking it from comic book to live action, which it's... So it had to go through all the stages of being designed as a character and everything. But anyway, so the main actor is Christopher Maloney. You guys will recognize him from Law & Order. I think after you've watched Happy, you'll recognize him from Happy. <laughs> you won't remember him from his, his character in Law & Order. 
and the other guy. That's uh, that. There's Patton Oswalt, who is a comedian, I think by trade. He's also an actor, and more importantly, a voice actor. He's second. His second most famous project after Happy is probably played Remy in Pixar's Ratatouille. So he's got a lot of pedigree when it comes to voice acting, um, especially playing little blue characters. <laughs> and uh, words from our sponsor. <laughs> I keep getting sent these scripts, and I'm like, how in the hell is anyone going to let us film this? We are so f happy is basically taking any cynicism out of my delivery and cranking up the optimism to psychotic levels. Top of the morning to you, partner! <laughs> Yeah, and that's from season two. He's a really good voice actor, isn't he, for, yeah, um, for Happy, because he, he really hits those high notes and, yeah. and he's really excitable, so it's, yeah. it's a dream to animate him. Yeah, it was really a pleasant surprise. Like, we didn't, uh, we didn't know who was going to voice the character and stuff, and we saw a couple of tests happening and stuff, but when we saw it was Patton Oswalt, he really made the character very fun to animate. Um, it wasn't generic, it wasn't too cartoony, it was just, he brought a lot of depth to the character, I think. Um, who is Happy? Um, once again, you guys have seen the show, so you obviously know who he is, but for anybody that hasn't watched it, Happy is basically the imaginary, character, uh, imaginary friend of Haley, who is the main character's daughter, um, who's kind of estranged to his daughter. I don't, yeah, he doesn't even know he's got a daughter in season one. But anyway, so Happy goes to find her dad, who is going to help save her from this child abduction ring thing. And it just goes insane. It's a nice picture. It's kind of just like that's happy on the left, and the right is kind of like how the main character sees happy. It's just this annoying, disgusting little thing. Um, for me personally, when I was I was working on Kiss Me First in 2017, and I don't know if anyone's seen Kiss Me First, but it's an entirely different tone than Happy. And I remember some of the concept art for Happy was being worked on, and I was just seeing this little blue character with a pink horn, and I was like, oh, that's cute. So it's nice to, <laughs> I thought we were getting into a lot more like just child friendly <laughs> productions. And then uh, when we saw the pilot episode, we were like, okay, that's <laughs> it's definitely something everybody wanted to work on. Yeah, and for myself, I was working on, um, I was doing cutscenes for Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a PlayStation 4 uh, exclusive game. And um, when I was asked about whether I would be interested in working on Happy, uh, and I did my initial research, um, I really I thought it was going to be a really great opportunity to expand my uh, creative abilities. I also really liked the, the contrast between Nick, the main character, Nick, who's uh, very dark, very aggressive and violent, compared to something that is... Um, the imagine, come from the imagination of a six-year-old, so very happy, very bubbly mm -hmm. in the way they play off each other. Um, happy really does help uh, calm the scenes down sometimes yeah. because they can be quite, they are over the top violent sometimes. So, sometimes. so happy, happy really brings a humor to it you know, dark, very dark comedy. So, um. How did we do it? So this is an image our tech support guys provided us we don't know what it means. Um, Looks pretty, or <laughs> yeah, it's got the three studios. Um, a lot of the stuff that went into this, like for especially for season one, we had to do a lot of problem solving as far as how we're going to get three studios working together. 
Um, we had to set up like regular syncing, automatic syncing between the studios. Um, a lot of that didn't happen in season one. It was all just manually. Um, so we'd have problems of the rig gets updated and guys would start animating it. And then the guys in London would have an outdated rig. Um, so we started figuring all of that stuff out. And at pretty much what Happy gave us was three studios that ended up working really smoothly together. And we're all, yeah, we're all pretty much connected. And it felt like we were all just working in one big studio. By season two, everything was kind of like it's just a well-oiled machine. And then, right, animation style, animation and style. So, yeah, like I said, for me, when I came onto Happy, like I was coming off Kiss Me First and stuff, and the pilot had already been developed. But um, I think as is the nature of any pilot for a TV show and stuff, it was, it was a test Access was doing to kind of show the clients we can do this. Um, it, I think it had a couple, probably a couple of more restrictions than what we had going into the season and it, it had to get done fast. There wasn't that many um, scenes with Happy and stuff, but um, some of them were quite extreme. I think that one in the far right, um, that image is from the pilot. Um, and it just kind of, that all kind of got inspired by your very kind of Tex Avery style animation. So after the pilot, we had to kind of now just kind of slow down and say, okay, well, we've, we've, we've got this project now, so now how can we push this? And we really wanted to not just kind of copy something because we at, in the beginning we were looking at references from old cartoons and looking at the Looney Tunes stuff and the text every stuff and everything and we were thinking like okay if we can just kind of find something similar and like kind of see how we can recreate it but ultimately there's, there was nothing like Happy um, so we just kind of we, we went through all the principles again and kind of just had to think for ourselves okay how does the 12 principles apply to this character what is too much um, it's very nice to say, okay, we're going to do this very extreme Tex Avery style character, but ultimately Nick Sachs is the main character and stuff. So the, the problem is if you over animate Happy, he's going to distract from the main character. So we had to find these little golden moments throughout the show where we felt like Happy could really shine. And then we had to kind of like find a good blend of animation that would work with him playing off the main character. It's kind of like if you look at like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's, it's, zany it's crazy it the tone of the show kind of matches also the, the acting style and the direction of everything and stuff happy is a bit different and stuff it does kind of like slow down at places and it does get deeper and more emotional at points and stuff so you don't want this character like just being like super zany and over animated and everything and so one of the challenges with this was um, obviously animators want to animate so yeah, a lot of the times you have to just try and get the animation. Okay, this is this is great, but just let's tone it down a little bit because it's kind of outshining the main character right now. Um, but then, like I said, you do have these little golden moments. Like for me, that one screen left was one of our senior guys, Jose, and it's just a little beautiful example of how the animator kind of brought his own flair to it. Um, that's not how I would have approached it. We briefed like we. We would kind of have a session talking about, okay, what do we, what do we want to come across from the shot? And he nailed that. But then on top of that, he kind of like had his own way of showing it. And that's what we kind of really enjoyed about the show is like each animator kind of brought something to the table. Um, like I said, if it distracts from sex, it's bad. Um, many animators, many workflows. Do you want to talk something about that? Yeah, I feel like um, the thing we where we really got released as animators was when maybe there weren't any characters in in the in the shots. So, if you look, for example, Raspberry here in the the dog with the where he's chewing his leg, um, that actually came from one of our junior animators. Um, she was on my team, and we were trying to think of a way. We had a really nice performance with the main head speaking and this head on the side was just, 
it was just sat there doing nothing. And we were thinking, how can we get a bit more personality into the show? How can we, um, in a way, we kind of saw the leg and we, and it's kind of like, why is that leg a bone? Oh, maybe it's because this little guy is always chewing it. So she pitched the idea to me and then we took it to Friedel here and, um, and yeah, and you were like, go for it. So she, she nailed it on the first pass, the, the animator, she was awesome. Um, and we, when we sent it to the client, they, I don't think they were maybe expecting that, but they, they loved it as well. And it, it just, it's those little tiny details which elevate the show, um, which helps it get recommissioned and, and uh, yeah, I think brings it to I, life. What I really liked about that is, like you say, it's not something that... It, it was technically, if you look at how much work goes into the animation, it's technically it's extra work and stuff, but that's something the animator really wanted to do. And she was willing to just kind of like sit and work it into and try and work it into her schedule and stuff. And the clients really appreciated us kind of like just kind of adding these little details. I really like it because probably if you've seen the show, you might have not even have noticed it. So it's that kind of thing like if you watch it again, you see, oh, actually, like there's a little golden nugget there that the animator worked in. Um, and the really fun thing about this show is that the, the clients did give us that kind of creative freedom as well. Um, I've worked on a lot of long-form projects where the clients, they do get very specific, especially with some directors. They know exactly what they want, and um, it's great experience and everything, but there's not always that flexibility as an animator or for the animators to kind of pitch ideas and come up with more of their own stuff, which this show really gave us. All right, moving on. Queen yes. of art. Okay, you've kicked... Sorry. Okay, just pause that. Um, so yeah, like we said, many animators, many workflows. Um, this is a nice example of, so before we started animating, we had these overlays that kind of we thought would be a good idea to do. Um, we had a guy, um, Tim, I can't remember his surname now, working from London. He was great, he's got lots of 2D experience as well. And he would pretty much for every shot, he would do a 2D overlay on top of the live action plate and just kind of give us an extra level of more brainstorming. That's a great thing to have, especially because yeah. the deadline was kind of can, can be tight yeah, yeah, sometimes. So exactly. he definitely yeah. gave us options, didn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, and it's not something the clients held us to. It's just something. It was more for our own exploration and just kind of say, okay, what would happen if we just put a two D animator at this? How would they approach it? And then just because of the bulk of shots that we had to get through, it's nice for the animators just to have a couple of ideas already out there. And this was just a good example of like how it translated from overlay all the way to final animation. Like in this case, like Jose didn't shoot reference of himself. Like the overlay was great, so he used that. Um, you can see the top left is the overlay, then that's the blocking. Bottom left is the refine, and then the final comp. Queen of Hearts, she's pretty. Queen of Hearts, she's pretty. So yeah, and then this is... Okay, you've part. kicked in the doors of the baddest baddies in the big app. Okay, you've kicked in the doors of the baddest baddies in the big app. Yeah, so this was Aaron, and yeah, he shot his references. It worked really well. Um, Aaron, we got on season one, and he was just amazing, and we tried really hard to get him back on season two, and we managed to do it. And on season two, he was one of the guys working from London, so it was nice having some guys in London as well that worked on season one, and they really helped mentoring the new team and stuff. But yeah. yeah, and I also got the opportunity to go down to London as a sort of cross, because a lot of the guys in London didn't get the opportunity to come up to Glasgow, which is the main studio that Axis has. So um, I was sent down there as a sort of friendly face and to help them get up to speed on how we do things with the, pro the, with the company because we have certain workflows that are important that we, um, we make sure we do. We open 
the scenes in a, in a certain way so that everything is relatable because like you say, we're, we, we're, we're, bleh, we're working with um, Bristol and we're working with Glasgow and if there's any differences in all that stuff, that, that, uh, the naming conventions and whatnot, yeah. that can cause us some serious issues. Um, but Aaron was definitely one of the best animators, I feel. Yeah. Really yeah, strong yeah. animator on the show. Um, I wish we could show some of the season two shots. Um, it's been released now this week, the first episode, but unfortunately we can't really show any of the stuff yet, but he had a couple of really good shots in season two. Um, this one, in, oh, I can't tell about it. <laughs> it's good, you'll have to watch it. Uh, like, like of a sea monster and smog monster had a baby and, and they dressed it up like the Grinch in a big red coat, but, but he was all grown up. Oh, and not green. So here's a cool uh, example. Um, the animator for this show, uh, for this shot, was Lee, who's actually a layout artist at Axis. But he was seeing what we were doing, and, and he really wanted to take on some shots. So he asked the company if it would be okay for him to jump over, because his background is in animation too. Um, and why not, right? <laughs> so he was given the opportunity, and... Um, yeah, and as you can see, he's filmed some reference for himself, but he's also created a block. So every animator has their own little ticks and tricks. Um, the square is a really cool, uh, it was a really good way of, because um, if you can sell the emotion with mm -hmm. the square, then you should be able to carry it through to the final character. Um, so it's a really quick, really quick way of understanding if it's going to work or not. Because if it's not going to work, you'd see it in that square and just be like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can try something else. But. Yeah, plus it's just something I really appreciate as well. Like, because it is it is a TV series and stuff, and a lot of times there's not a lot, there's not time to redo a shot or reblock it even and stuff. So I really appreciate it when an animator comes to me and he shows me a reference or he shows me a little cube or even if it's just a ball that kind of like just shows the basic emotion and stuff. Because for me that that gives me something to already discuss with the animator, and I haven't wasted like two days of his time by telling him like, eh, no. And so, yeah, it worked out really well. Nice thing of, of Leo, so he came from Thailand and he had a friend, Mark um, something as well. And Mark worked uh, for a couple of years at Pixar. And the cool thing is they kind of like arranged um, for Mark to come down to Glasgow and he did like a little cool masterclass on animating very cartoony characters and stuff. So it was really nice. Like we had a couple of juniors at that time as well. So it was just like we did it over a weekend. It was a really fun workshop. Yeah, um, it, was, it was really great. It was yeah. a lot of like um, taking reference from Disney, the old, old style goofy cartoons or... Yeah, yeah or uh, Tex Avery or Looney Tunes, and then we would take maybe 20 frames of that stuff, and we would literally just trace it, um, which seems kind of like you think you'd be able to do it yourself, but when you trace it frame by frame, it's amazing the amount of work that goes into those shots, and you don't even realize until you're, you're in there doing it yourself, and it starts to make you think, what's, what was the animator thinking when he originally designed it? Because those guys were like the pioneers of animation, so they were the ones driving everything that led us to, to where we are today. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was actually quite rare in this industry. You don't, there's not a lot of times before a project that you get a couple of weeks to just really study and like experiment, try different styles and everything. And um, for myself, I was looking at a little study of a, a shot from the genie and Aladdin, and I was just just kind of studying it frame by frame. I was really interested to see like how the animator like played with the spacing. It's not something. 
um, anyone who did really think of doing and stuff, you kind of like think about your easing and then just kind of snap into it. But this guy would like really just immediately snap into it and stuff. But it was just a little golden tips you'd pick up from just going frame by frame through all the animations and see what, what was it that made these things good. Um, a lot of times you, you kind of you start with just the 12 principles and you go, ah, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like you can kind of, um, you kind of tick the boxes and stuff, but then you can really look at all animations and see it's maybe the 12 principles, but it got applied at different levels for different shows and different cartoons or anything. But anyway. And the principles are there to be broken, but yeah. only once you understand them yes. should you be breaking them because um, otherwise you're kind of doing it without completely understanding what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously important yeah. too. Yeah, that's a good point. And ultimately a knee pop's a knee pop. Fix it. Yep, exactly. All right. Okay, cool. So I thought we would uh, be really good to have a breakdown of one of my shots. Um, mainly so you can see how we approach every single element of, the, of this, every process that we go through to get the shot onto TV, basically. Um, so the shot I'm going to speak about was from episode six, and it was the very first shot with Happy in, in this episode. And um, the, way I, the way I begin to approach the, how I'm going to work is um, I'm understanding where Happy's come from. So by the time we're working on episode six, we kind of have an idea of where Happy's gone. And he's gone on a massive journey where he's gone from being uh, the imaginary friend of a six-year-old into this life with somebody who is not a six-year-old. And um, I think he's struggling with how to come to terms with that. Um, so when I, when I get given my, uh, my scenes, um, so I had 10 shots to work on in episode six. Uh, this is just the very first one that I, I, I approached. So the first thing I do is I open the script because I want to try and do some like a scene analysis uh, to understand what's, what's happening with Happy in, in this episode. Um, he's, as you can see, we're in a basement. Um, this is kind of like uh, an imaginary friends meeting. So it's very similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, that style. So there's, they're in a circle, uh, they've got chairs in a circle and Happy's opening up, but he's, he's got that thing where he's, he's really upset. So um, I have to understand that he can't be too energetic like uh, Frida was saying, but at the same time, he is still an imaginary friend. So I think he still wants that uh, to, to, to be expressive when he is talking. Um, the most important thing to take from this script here is where it says, in a nutshell, this sums up our theme for this episode. So what I do here is going to drive how every other animator approaches the show. No pressure. No pressure, yeah. As a senior animator, it's my job to make sure that we're creating a quality benchmark and that the other animators are able to get to that level. Um, that's just, it just comes with experience. So it's a challenge, but I, I, I really enjoy doing it. So I, once I have this, I kind of take a step back from being an animator and I become more of a detective. And I'm, I'm looking at references for, that I can find. Um, I'm looking at the overlays we were speaking about just to see what the, um, the uh, 2D artist in London was thinking. And uh, yeah, and then, um, and then I come to Friedel, and then we have a briefing. So we have a discussion, and we just we we talk about our ideas. Usually, by this point, we're we're kind of on the same wavelength, so it, it, it's kind of like just get on with it. Um, yeah, and then I make sure my team's ready, and I let them. I just leave them to it, and then I can start working on my stuff. So, 
play? Yeah, if you want to play first. My, my name is Happy. I, I'm an imaginary friend, and no one believes in me. So we didn't have a camera from Bristol at this point um, when I started on the show. So I've put a proxy camera in. I've, uh, I've also added my own geometry, which I'm pretending is a chair for now. Um, I've, I've tried to use my, I've, I've never been to an Alcohol's Anonymous meeting, fortunately. <laughs> but I've, uh, but I, I've got an imagine, active imagination, so I can imagine how I feel in that situation. And I have, in my past, had times where maybe I've been nervous uh, speaking. So I've, I used all of that influence to film some reference. Um, I shot about probably 30, 30 shot this 30 times maybe. Uh, I've got my headphones on, so I'm listening to the audio, so I'm trying to match it up to the beats. Um, and then once I'm happy with it, I block happy out. So. All, all I'm doing here is putting in uh, basic poses. So you're not, uh, this was quite de detailed because there was a lot of li little intricacies that I wanted to try and get in, a lot of nuances of, of him rubbing himself and whatnot. So it took, I, I took it a little bit further, but I was pretty confident that uh, it was gonna go through. Um, yeah, so I block it out, which means I put the key poses in, it tells a story, and, um, and then I show it to Friedel. And then we have a discussion about it, don't we? And, um, and then you, you're happy for it to go on. So yeah. in the next video, we have, uh, hopefully, we have the proper camera now. Um, so I've removed the my, reference. My name is Happy. I've addressed that. I, I'm an imaginary second. friend, and no one believes in me. So um, I've, uh, there, there might be subtle changes in there um, that I've been asked to do just to try and uh, make him feel more alive and whatnot. But we're happy with it, so we send it to client. Um, and we get them, uh, so basically we block send a load of animations to them yeah. and then they, they feed back or approve. Yeah. yeah, so basically this would have been the first time we sent it to clients. We didn't send this to the client, this was for us internally. Um, like I said, these clients kind of, they got to a point um, where Brian the showrunner was really, was trusting us and it really opened the doors for us to be exploring of shots and plan it out and then when we finally have a blocking, we could send it. Um, we obviously, we went through a bit of a trial and error of, uh, and I think the guys at the pilot and everything. So we kind of knew what level of feedback to expect from the clients. So we felt like this is safe. They're not gonna come back and say, no, redo it. I would cry if that happens. <laughs> my, my name is Happy. Okay, so this, this is now going into refine. So um, the blocking was approved, well, approved, apart from one note was to make Happy bigger because um, he was too small in, in the shot. So we've increased the size of him, but that was literally the only mm. note we got. Um, and now it's just, it's proceed is usually what they say. So my, my name is Happy. I, I'm an imaginary friend and no one believes in me. Yeah, and you can kind of see how the, the framing changed a little bit from the blocking to the refine. Um, so the clients would say like, okay, he's too small, we make him bigger, and then when you make him bigger, you realize, okay, well maybe if he's bigger, we just rotate him a little bit, and immediately you can just see a much stronger silhouette coming out of his body. And then, final. This one. This one doesn't have audio, but you don't get audio because we didn't get audio. We never saw the finals really with audio. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing because when you're uh, looking at animation, you 
sometimes the audio can distract you. Um, you get engrossed in the story. So it's good to watch work, your work without audio sometimes. That way you're just focusing on the actual performance. Yeah, we knew the performance was working at this day. So when it got here, we would kind of just see if everything kind of came across in the render well. Um, yeah, because sometimes there can be 15 versions and they yeah. might accidentally pick up the, an old version. And you just want to double check that that's not happening. You can see at this stage, Happy's already gone through a little bit more of wear and tear. Like it's his nose is kind of losing fur. It's just, yeah, it's an excess influence. The, la the last stage of that as well, um, basically once it's approved by client, it's, uh, I have free reign almost just to push things, just little tiny things, squish the head down just a little bit more, um, things like that make stuff maybe a bit nicer. So anything I've seen, I want to polish just that little bit more just to make it better. Uh, we, we can do that as well, can't yeah. we? Yeah, we had a polish phase. So the, the stages would be the, in season one, we had to do a post for the stage. Um, we kind of got rid of that towards season two, but which means we literally kind of just block out the basic movement of the character. We had this little character we called the blob. It was literally just the head and the body of Happy and the guys would kind of just do a post for pass, kind of showing me where he's going to be and everything. And then after that, we would, um, well, that would be kind of happening at the same time you're shooting your reference and everything. And then taking it in, in, into the blocking stage where we would then show it to the clients and discuss it with them, um, which usually went pretty well. And then after that, we took it into the refine stage. Um, refine, uh, sometimes, I think, yeah, on some occasions, the clients would sign and see something a little bit more clear in the refine, and they might have like a, a note about, like, oh, don't do this with the arm or something but mostly it was fine. And then after that, we had our own kind of like internal phase stage what we just called polish, where we would just take it and really sit it in a room of people and go like, okay, how can we improve this? This is, um, we know the clients love it, but we want to really love it. And ultimately that's what we want from the show is we wanted to create something that we can be proud of. I want my animators to be able to go and use this in their showreels and everything, and it's it's yeah, it's just a nice feeling when you actually see people. Are and we're we're not asking, are we for? Um, we're not asking for big changes. We're just asking for just those little like. Yeah. The, the client shouldn't really notice no. a difference. It's more for us. Um, no, yeah, you have to be careful. Like, um, we couldn't change anything performance level-wise because um, the clients would then see it and render and go, whoa, why is this different? So we would be looking at stuff like your spacing, your arcs, um, your easings and stuff, and just anything we could see too. Like just, or just like little eye movements or any little details you can think of, little nose flares, um, the ear movement and everything. Um, all right, so differences from season one to two. Um, for me, the main difference was just the bulk of more work. So obviously going into season two, like we, we knew up front, okay, season two is going to be 10 episodes, where season one was eight episodes. So we know, okay, we have to budget for two extra episodes. That was fine. We had the extra time and everything. We knew we had to, we had to hire more animators. Um, what we didn't really account for was just the level of success that season one had. And ultimately people wanted to see more happy so I was kind of like scheduling it the same. I would schedule and plan for season one. And I thought like, ah, oh, by this time I know exactly like how much work goes into an episode. And then the clients send us these scenes and it's just happy everywhere, all <laughs> over the place. And there's extra characters and extra hero characters. And yeah. Everything. yeah. Like we had a, we had a character that, um, it's in like 
four shots or something, but just the insane amount of work that had to go into it. It was amazing. We loved it. It's nice having this character that just has this golden moment of like he appears in a couple of shots and then you never see him again. And it's just something nice that you can hold it aside. And it was kind of like, it was really hard to kind of for me to distribute those shots because I know you've got a team of like, at one point we were 45 people and here's like these four amazing shots that everybody wants to animate and stuff. So you kind of have to like... It's where cupcakes come in handy. Yeah, <laughs> I can be bright. Um, yeah, more, uh, more internal feedback as well. Um, so... Like I was saying before, um, Epi season one was a massive success. Um, people loved it, so we kind of like thought, okay, um, we want to raise this benchmark for ourselves. Um, we're going to do another season of this. We're going to do more episodes of this, um, more animators getting involved and stuff. So we really want to see, okay, we were, we were happy with the first one, but now what can we do for ourselves to kind of push this and like really be proud of it at the end of the season? Um, like I mentioned, bigger team from 30 to about 45 people which is insane. Um, a lot of these people, a, a big team like that, it's obviously expensive to run and stuff, so you wanted to try and schedule it exactly like, okay, by this point we're gonna need all of these animators and stuff, so you want people to come in, and obviously a problem with like getting in so many people, so you wanna be able to train them up, or give them enough time to train up, and get used to the style and the character and everything, and the rigs and the pipeline and everything. It's, it's like, there's a lot to get used to when you come into the show and you're supposed to start animating in like two, three days later. Yeah. But we had a couple of systems in place and then we're pretty fine. Um, another big difference in season two was long shots, which you've got very good experience with. Yeah, yeah I worked on season two for well, maybe six months, five, six months, and I have about four shots to my name because <laughs> they, they really pushed the the boat out, didn't they, on some of the longer shots. Yeah. Um, I, one of my shots that I have um, was about 25 to 30 seconds long, and it was a very, uh, very intimate, um, uh, a very intimate shot. And I just remember coming to the end of it, uh, getting it approved. I've pushed everything I can. Um, I've really stretched my time on it to really get it as good as I can. And um, Friedel, who sits across from me, is pops his head up like a little gopher and was like, so how do you feel about another long shot? And then I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, how long is it? And it's uh, about 45 seconds. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a hard thing to animate for that length of time on one shot because um, you, you'll find that you, you can't work on it in one go. You have to block it, uh, do it in sections. And if it's very easy to start really strongly, but you find people will either, they'll, they'll either put too much effort in at the beginning and they run out of time towards the end, so the end becomes rushed. So I was conscious of that the whole time, trying to make sure that I, hit, I, I, I kept it the same level throughout. Um, I, I've got enough experience to know that that was gonna happen. So, but it, it basically was 10, the, the 45 second shot was is pretty much 10 shots in one, in one, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's something um, I've also now learned with Happy is you, if you take a junior animator, you can train them all the principles and you can get them to animate a good shot. But giving somebody a long shot, you really need somebody experienced that knows how to manage their time and knows how to pace themselves. <laughs> it, is, it is a marathon and you need to kind of like, you don't want to get to a point where you've spent 10 days on this shot and then the clients look at it and they just say, okay, well, uh, it's wrong entirely. 
So yeah. you want to figure out how to how to create it in stages, and and the clients were very really open. Like we would say to them, okay, we're gonna like break the usual workflow a little bit. We're not gonna show you a blocking. We're gonna show you like a really really rough like maybe five poses. This is the the idea. We'd maybe just like explain to them a little bit more than what we usually do. And that, yeah, they'd pretty much mostly be on board with it and stuff. And then, yeah, that way you can kind of just kind of build it up in sections until you eventually get to the final thing and not. It's definitely about relationships too, isn't it? Yeah, like exactly. they, they now trust us to, yeah. and they understand we will do it, deliver, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So, um, yeah, this was, we would do these bi-weekly meetings between Glasgow and London. So you've got the London guys on the monitor there. And I think what was really nice about this setup, like in season one, um, it was pretty much just me as a supervisor and with a couple of leads. And on the London side, we had um, two leads, but that meant I was like constantly traveling between Glasgow and London and doing going there for the reviews and then two days later being in Glasgow for the reviews and that kind of stuff. So with season two, we decided now we're going to get a supervisor. There he is. Oh, I can't see my mouse. Okay. Anyway. Oh, anyway, <laughs> Victor. So we got Victor, who was a supervisor in London, and this worked out perfectly. And it just helped me. I was actually able to animate a shot or two this season. Um, so yeah. So anyway, we would have this kind of like team structure. So the the London guys would be working on an episode. The guys you see on the left side of the room would maybe be working on another episode, and the guys on the other guys on another episode. At, I think at any given time we were working on about three episodes at the same time. Um, so we would have this kind of like pyramid structure where I would check everything that's going to client. Um, I would sit with the animators before and we would do briefings. Like I would sit with Luke and his team and we would brief and kind of like talk about the shots. And I don't, I don't really like the word briefing because it, for me it always kind of felt like let's talk about what we feel like needs to happen in this, in this shot. Anyway, so then Luke would go away with the responsibility of making sure that those shots go through blocking with his team and it's kind of what we discussed and it's kind of in line with what we discussed. Just because of the amount of shots that were going to be produced this year, we can't have animators going up to Friedel left, right and centre asking for feedback. So it kind uh, of became a buffer, didn't we? Yeah, we did. A, uh, we kind of learned that from season one. Like, I think we're, we're doing an internal chat thing and like my thing looked like a little sound box. Like, we're just chats popping up like constantly and I was just like, enough! I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, it worked out pretty well. So the teams all had their their individual responsibilities and stuff. Um, and then yeah, you would kind of like mentor them through the process. Um, you and they would kind of constantly be sending them their, your increments. And then eventually they would send you the blocking that you would approve that I would look at. And then we would. Uh, and then even after that, we would take the blocking if I'm happy with it, and we would take it into a room with all the seniors and all the leads, and then we would discuss it together and just kind of like open up the room. Um, for me, it was usually like, I've already had my review, I've had my say, I want to now see what everyone else thinks. Um, and if, usually there were some really great ideas coming out. And then I think the nice thing about um, the seniors and the leads we had, it was like, it was, and I, it kind of sounds stupid, but it was all constructive criticism. There wasn't anybody going like, no, you should just turn the other way for the sake of changing it. Every comment, like people, they really, everyone really learned to kind of see how can we actually build on top of what the animators already created instead of just writing it off and redoing it. Um, and I, yeah, I really like that. So yeah, we would do these review sessions twice, twice a week. Yeah, we ended up having a little. Um, <laughs> we joke. We had a joke, didn't we? About um, we had the there were so many shots just getting, and people would not say anything, and um, because they were happy with it. And Frida was like, anything, guys, come on. <laughs> it's, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> 
So we ended up um, having like one of the producers or production coordinators ended up creating a little system where we got given a green card and a red card. And then if we wanted to say something, we would just flash up the red card or if we were happy with the green card. And then it was a really quick way of just being like, yep, move on. It's best when everybody's got a green card and one animator's just got like a little red card. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's... What are you thinking? Anyway, yeah, it worked pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah it was just, um, I think for me in an ideal world, we'd be able to like take the whole team of all the, the juniors and everybody into the reviews as well. But we just couldn't do that. It was just too much. Um, so we would do these reviews with the seniors and the leads, just and then they would kind of feed it back to their teams. Um, otherwise, it would just go on forever. Um, okay, so uh, I mentioned previously that we had this amount, large amount of animators coming in, and then they had to like kind of get used to stuff really quickly. Um, so the Happy Animation Survival Kit kind of like started from the pilot episode when I got onto the show. Um, I haven't worked with the director before and stuff. Um, our lead, Steven, he handled the pilot. And I was just talking to him saying like, okay, well, what kind of things did this director like? What didn't he like? Um, is there anything we learned um, we're, not, we're not supposed to do ever? Um, so he's like, no, oh, he'll just write a couple of stuff down for me. And that eventually turned into a 34 page document that we would just, after like everything we do, every review, if the we find out how the client really doesn't like the way um, Happy uses his lower eyelids, then we would go, okay, no more lower eyelids for these kind of situations or anything. And just the way it was put together, so what the animators would do is when they would come to the studios, first thing, they would learn the pipeline of access, um, which isn't that complicated. And then after that, they would open up this document and they would just have like a whole day to just go through this and they can play off the rig. And send it like probably it's about two days of them just kind of like reading the document and playing with the rig and kind of getting used to it. And on season two, I think it was a bit easier because pretty much everyone that came on had watched season one. Yeah. So everyone kind of like knew the character as well. So it was just a case of like, okay, how do we, how do you guys do it? How do we animate this guy? And yes, there is a lot of rules kind of involved with what the clients liked. Um, this illustration bottom right with Happy in the Window, um, that's also kind of just coming from because of the amount of animators and it's a TV show, so I can't just take a bulk of shots and say, okay, this animator takes all of this, this whole sequence here, and then it's gonna work fine. Because what happens is the clients only provide us with two of those shots. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I've got like five other animators sitting doing nothing. So they would like send little bits of different scenes and I would try and like a large part of my job is also just trying to keep everyone busy. So, it would have happened that there would be two very similar shots that we need to get out based on the deadlines and stuff that two and two different animators would, would have to work on and it would just kind of like have to be constant communications between everyone it worked out pretty well like the teams um, it really helps when the team gets along well um, i've worked at a lot of productions where it's kind of like it's frowned upon don't not too much talking or anything it really helps when it just there's a vibe of people being able to walk out to each other's desks and saying like okay my shot's hooking up from yours what are you planning to do and that kind of stuff let's work on a post together and then we'll both use that kind of thing and once or twice there was funny moments where we would put an edit together where four or five animators have worked on the same thing yeah. and it would be <gasps> you know and then the next shot <laughs> and you have to watch out for yeah. that so as soon as we saw that it's like okay which one do we like the best yeah. okay get the other one to change a little bit so it's, it breaks it up a little bit yeah i think um, you can do like a compilation video of like how many times in season one and two happy goes nick <laughs> nick and how many ways is there to animate that <laughs> but we would we didn't like we we didn't reuse animation like we didn't want to do that uh, so for everything we did that it was kind of similar we would try and figure out okay what can we do differently 
while staying within the same kind of like rules of happy. And this kind of goes on from, this is also part of the Happy Animation Survival Kit. This was still, this was coming from the pilot episode where the animators realized just Happy lost a lot of appeal when he would just kind of be posed straight down. He would kind of look like a mascot, like a guy wearing a suit. So he kind of just developed like this little bean shape that we always had. Um, offset his limbs. He's a very, he's a busy shape. Um, did I have it? I think I had a section about the busy shape. Yeah, anyway, so he is a busy shape, like Luke mentioned earlier. He is the creation of a little girl that just like patched a lot of different ideas together, like from donkey, horse, unicorn, everything. So a big challenge for us as animators was to always try and find strong silhouettes. Because um, you've got the two ears, you've got the horn, you've got the, the wings and the giant mouth and the tongue and the four limbs and the tail. Um, so, but ultimately like it, it kind of comes back to that, that blob that we spoke about, which was literally just the body and the head. And of those, if you can really kind of get the basics and the strong silhouettes, then after that you would kind of look at the legs and say, okay, well, um, okay, is he actually acting with his arms in this one, or is he kind of just being kept alive and stuff, and what's a good silhouette we can use for this? That's a nice example that um, Jose works on for the mouth for the guys, just to say, like, it's very easy to kind of just open up the mouth when he's, like, shouting or something, but, like, we've got the controls in there. Um, the rigging guys put a lot of work into giving us the flexibility into really sculpt shapes of this character and stuff. So, yeah, we could get some really nice shapes out of him. And again, like you said, you, just be, just because he can, you don't want to detract from the actors in the scenes. So, it was really nice to try and always stay within within the blob, uh, within the nice bean shape that you can see over here on the far left. And then you just use the the arms in certain areas just to really, and that that really helps bring his character to life, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you want to talk about the, the pose sheet? Well, the pose sheet is, uh, again, every animator is giving this when they come in, and uh, they should have it sellotaped to their screen on either side so they can always use it. It's basically a reference for us. So we, 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 these are all uh, poses and facial expressions that have been approved. To be, um, and it's a really good go-to. So we, it, it gives us a real good, uh, broad range of creative, emotional expressions we could have over here, and the body as well over here. Because there's only so many ways you can make happy sit down. Um, so we, you have to be careful that uh, people aren't doing some weird stuff that can't be, you can't get out of or whatnot later. Um, and it was also, it ended up being sellotaped on walls. It was, it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, it, it mainly became important in season one when, like I said, like we had this super flexible rig and you had all these animators that um, we were able to train up and stuff, but there wasn't that much time to get everybody to get on board of what is a consistent performance for happy and consistent shapes and stuff. So at one stage, we kind of had to regroup and say, okay, literally almost every shot looks different in his expressions and stuff and it sometimes it ended up looking like a different character because animators were really sculpt and then we had to create this thing and just kind of like this was just kind of taking a couple of poses that we knew the directors liked that we liked and mainly focusing on facial um, you can kind of see like some of the stuff slipped through like the body like this the one where his body is straight down is a no-no but he had like nice facial expressions there and stuff anyway so we got a lot more consistency after this um, moving on Character workflow, right. So yeah, like we said, um, Happy did not exist after the, the comic books like in any form as a, that would be able to translate into a 3D character. So it went through the phases of concept. I think this was the very first thing I saw of Happy when I was still working on Kiss Me First. And I was like, oh, so cute and innocent. Um, 
But yeah, it had to go through like what is okay in the comic books it's just this blue character and stuff but like what does his fur look like i know eventually they kind of like ended up going for this very horsey metallic sheen on his on his coat um he went through expression sheets so also what uh, what one of the first things i did when i came onto the show was um i looked at the rig that they used in the pilot and stuff and i was like okay let's let's revisit these poses because we really liked these and we wanted to make sure that we can achieve this so the rig got upgraded a lot after the pilot episode and just made it a lot more flexible um, so I was trying to get that one where he was screaming just to kind of get those poses out and did a little test animation um, we also saw that uh, if you look at that top left one he's got this teeth on the top on the side of his mouth like if you look at the pilot episode you won't see those like he never had teeth so going after the pilot episode he started having this like cheesy grin when he smiles because the animators could kind of just turn it on and off and kind of animate the teeth and everything um, same with the ears like the ears um, had a lot more complicated setup after the pilot episode where the animators could animate it but each level of the ear had its different level of dynamics and stuff that they could activate and it was all very user-friendly. I don't think it was like anything overly technical or anything. Moving on. Oops. All right. Yeah, just more variations. So let me just check it and skip anything. Yeah. So just bunches of variations. Um, you guys will recognize the furball if you've watched season one um, at the gambling scene. And that was just a really fun. It was literally just a ball with fur, and they applied like the eyes and stuff and the ears and everything to it with the wings. Um, this is your character, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, he was in it for one shot and went, I'm in. <laughs> one of the hoodie. That was it. But I had to make him look cool. I think I did. <laughs> yeah, even with the fireman helmet, like, I think there was literally two shots of that in and stuff. But that was great. And, like, eventually when it's, like, all worn, torn and, like, beat up and stuff, like, he ended up towards the end of season one like that. Um, loads of variations. You guys will recognize the purple blood from when that happens. We had this little red guy that just disappeared from the scripts. Um, yeah, just tons of experimentations and stuff. I think even here, like the, the you saw before, like in Luke's shot, when he had a little bit of wear and tear, at one stage, this was gonna be the level of wear and tear. <laughs> and everyone's saying, okay, it's cool, but it's just a little bit too distracting and he's got that little sailor tattoo on his butt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, it was fun experimentations, I think. All right, so yeah, you guys remember Raspberry from season one. This was a great character, like he, his rig I think received about the same amount of love as Happy's. Um, it was just, and for us it was just such a fun character to try and figure out and say okay we've got three heads, three different personalities, um, three different ways of animating it and stuff. He had this cool bone so he'd have a little bit of a limp. Um, you'll see that bone ended up on his foot eventually, um, like in the previous shot where he's being gnawed on. But, um, Fully animatable. Yeah, that was it. It was just a really fun... It was the same thing, like, everybody wanted to work on this character. Oh, yeah, for sure. This guy was great. And it came down to um, trying to think about ways we could make him get those free heads, because they're, they're three separate heads. Mm. But we want to try and get them working as one, un one unit, even though they are separate. So, for example, um, the, main, the main head might smoke a cigarette, and um, Buttons, which is the tall, lanky one, he'll be the one that blows the smoke out. So it's like the, and it was like things like that that weren't really considered. So the animator initially was breathing, smoking a cigarette, and then blowing it out. And it's kind of like in those reviews we were talking about. What if, what if we didn't make him blow it out, but what if we made Buttons blow it out? And then it feels like it's traveled through them and gone. So even though they're, and it just, it just creates this unity, yeah. and um, it, it's. I think it kind of it came from the 
the boy who owned them, like, uh, what's the Batty Blue? Uh, blue. It's his blue. son, um, some imaginary friend, and it, it's basically all the dogs that he's killed before. <laughs> so it's just little stitched together versions of his previous pets. And this was it going to 3D. You can see the bone ended up on the back leg. He was quite creepy, actually, I felt. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, on set, the VFX supervisor would provide the Bristol side with a lot of stuff. They would shoot these. So I'm an animator. I don't know if you pronounce it LIDAR or L-I-D-A-R, but either way, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. But they would get these images, which would be the, basically the 3D scans of the environments where they're live shooting and stuff, and Bristol would use that to create their tracked cameras for us. Um, they would put in like a little proxy of where Happy is supposed to be for us, and they would track the scene. If Happy is interacting with a character, they would like do a kind of like a rotos or match move of a character and track Happy to it. So basically, when we as animators receive the shots, we literally we import our camera. It's got the track in it. Um, it's got the audio file in it. It's got everything we need, and animators can just jump in and start being happy and. And in fact, because it's just one camera, uh, one character in the scene, um, Maya, which is the software we use, was super quick. Like, I've worked on shows before where I've had uh, 20, 30 soldiers running about, and it's almost impossible to use at the time because it's just so heavy. Um, so that was pretty cool as well. It meant that you could almost do work in real time, which was fun. And you guys recognize this, like the VFX, you could also take these on, on set and provide it for the lighting guys so they could kind of just match. This is the scene where they're playing like Russian roulette, I think, on the table with raspberry and stuff. So they had like lighting references and everything, and oh, that was a fun sequence. I begged, I begged to get shots on that sequence. Yeah, it's just all the stages of Happy being rendered. Um, so yeah, he's going through all these passes, and yeah, he looks pretty. Nice old guy. We really liked this guy. Um, you guys remember him, and you remember his fate. Poor guy. This was his fate. <laughs> Cake and he was like, please don't kill me. And for me, we had like we one junior animator that started working on Happy. This was the first I think show he'd worked on in the industry and stuff. And he man, he excelled. And like he, what I'd usually do if somebody starts as a junior animator, I would give them a lot of like easier shots, obviously. And they would kind of like, and then as he proves himself, or uh, we had two like was um, Laura, yeah, Stephen and Laura. Anyway, but yeah, they were amazing and they were growing so fast. And so I had a couple of like, for me, that I would kind of think as, of as reward shots and stuff. And this was one where I felt like, ah, oh, like this would be amazing for a, a junior animator to be able to work on. And he, yeah, he nailed it. Jeez, it was awesome. And <laughs> just the way the brain eventually like plops off the little banner and stuff, but yeah. And I had a lot of fun. It's nice when you give a shot to somebody and you can see they're really gonna enjoy working on it. And Muppet, Sock Puppet Guy. This was, yeah, this, I, I really like this character, like, um, and it ended up looking great. Like, we didn't think he would look that good. Like, I think originally he had some different ideas for how he was gonna look and stuff. But ultimately, he was a recreation of the live action Muppet thing. So it made perfect sense. And it was just really fun to animate as well. And this was also this little sad puppety thing. Um, I think that's pretty much us. Next up is the trailer for season two. Luke, do you have anything to add? No, not really. I, I mean, it was a, uh... It was a really cool show to work on. I'm yeah. really glad I got to. Yeah, I mean, same for me. Um, 
like I said, like I've worked on a lot of long form projects at different companies and stuff. And something that's always happened is when you get about halfway through the production, like animators get tired and they get burnt out and the, the morale drops. And something that was, especially like when I, when I started on season one, I was like, wow, this is a big TV show and stuff. And a lot of um, emphasis is put on to making sure that the morale stays high and because happy animators animate good shots. And it really paid off. And like, I think both seasons, like up until the very end, like animators would come to me and it's like, hey, you got any more shots? I'm like, oh, I'll see. And I would literally be running out of shots to give to people and stuff. And like, but yeah, it's just a good sign that people really enjoyed working on it. And um, it's definitely one of the best um, shows. Not many animations out there that you get to work on are so expressive. You don't get to push the boundaries of the principles and whatnot, which this one lets you do. So, yeah, it was, it was really good fun. I'm glad I got to be a part of it. Nice. And if you guys haven't seen it, this is the trailer for season two. Top of the morning to you, partner! We're getting our act together, Nick. No more drinking. No more whoring. No more filling chumps full of hot lead. Just remember the rules. No killing, maiming, drinking, kidnapping, carjacking, or arson. I had to stop at nine on account of your handicap. You never think about going after sunshine? Child kidnapping ring, murder, extortion. Moved on, Mayor. I got a daughter now. Being there for that kid is what I believe in. How about you? Holy shit, this is the best crazy person room I've ever seen. What I'm offering you today is a chance to be a part of the biggest holiday rebranding of all time. We're gonna make Easter great again. What are we gonna do, Nick? That's what I'm good at. By trash, I mean people who need to get whacked. No whacking. But Nick, you promised you wouldn't kill anyone. You killed everyone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's some of the more lighter side stuff you've just seen. Um, it gets intense. Like I think if there's one thing you can say about this show is it doesn't hold back. Um, it's not afraid of going too far. Twice <laughs> is great. The people loved it, and if you're gonna go big, go big. Let's see this again. I think it's us. Yes. So and that's pretty much one minute to spare. Wow. <laughs> okay. I think we're gonna do like a couple of minutes Q and A. Um, anybody wanna ask something or start? Um, as someone interested in writing for television uh -huh. or animation for games, is there anything that if you get sent a script writing-wise really helps um, in the animation process? 
If you get sent the script, you mean? Yeah, it's so if, if you get sent, so you get it's sent the script to look at, for example, yeah. uh, for animating. Is there anything that, if you saw it on the script, you'd be like, I know exactly where to go with that? Um, no, <laughs> no, it's all it's all an exploration. Like we get lots of scripts. Like this, pretty much, like the the entire show gets put from a script. We don't have storyboards or anything yet. Um, even the director still wants to see stuff. So basically, I get a script, and I have to read it. So for me personally, um, I think every person would look at it differently and go, okay, now this is maybe going to need so much and so many shots or this this amount of work into the character and stuff. For me, I've kind of got my own little formulas. Um, I've done Kiss Me First and. This show, kind of like having been able to kind of watch the pilot episode, I can kind of get a feel for how the director would shoot his stuff. Because um, you know, you can sh you can write a script, and two different directors can shoot it entirely different. And one will shoot a really long shot, and then the other guy, like Brian, the showrunner, like if you look at his movies, like Crank and stuff, it kind of goes from very fast-paced to very sometimes very long. So it's very hard. So you do kind of like have to kind of find a feel for who's going to be directing it and stuff. And then, but no, like it's really exploring it and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Um, how many of the ideas that you sort of pitch to the clients get shot down? Not many. Not many. No, no. It was actually, I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's kind of something that made this these two seasons really enjoyable for me, is because we felt like we had a bigger input into it. Um, the director obviously he knows what he wants. Like he in the script, like um, the script kind of gets to the point of what they want to come across. Want to come across. You have an idea of the emotion that they want to come across. So if you miss that, then they're going to obviously have big input on it and stuff. But um, now ultimately, if you take the intent of a shot and you can figure out to work in a little cool creative idea on top of that without taking away from the intent, then chances are the director's going to like it and he's going to appreciate it because. Directors also like seeing that the people working on their stuff like are really passionate about it and wanting to add stuff. Um, sometimes, yeah, it's not it's not um, always like you're sometimes you're going to pitch an idea and the director's just going to go no. But usually it's because of like he's seeing the larger picture and he knows later on down the line this is going to happen. This might be too similar or something like that. But yeah. yeah? I never, yeah, I never saw any myself. We did have them. Did, <laughs> I didn't look at those. <laughs> we did have them. Uh, the problem was, not the problem, like, um, Patton Oswald was sitting behind the booth recording and talking to the microphone and stuff. Um, so that's useful to the point of like, yeah, you can kind of see his expressions and stuff, but you're not getting his full performance of like what he would have been doing without a microphone and a little script to read in front of him and stuff. So it's nice to see. Um, I think those kind of help more when we're doing like maybe game cinematics and stuff and we're doing more realistic faces and stuff because then we can really look at those for like reference to see okay is the, are we matching the mouth and the eye expressions and everything. Um, we recently did Helping Hand for the Love, Death and Robot series, didn't have anyone saw that. But um, that was kind of like we had the reference like that and we had to match it very closely and we did like the 4D scans of everything and then we had the ability to animate on top of it to kind of match the reference and everything. But, right? Um, when you were bringing on like junior animators and new animators and things, um, you said you were training them up um, for them to start on the show. Do you already look for them to already have like, a good degree in animation? Yes. Like, do you take them from a background? Yeah, um, ideally. So I think 
don't know if all of our juniors came from Dundee or something, but... I came from Dundee, <laughs> originally. <laughs> so yeah, so most of them, they've, they've gone through an animation course and stuff. And then when they come to us, like the, the animation courses are very great. And it's the same for me in South Africa. Like you kind of get trained in a, a generalist sense. And then when you get into the industry, you realize, wow, okay, <laughs> you've, got, you've got a lot to learn. So for us at Access, like we, we, we realize that when somebody's coming fresh out of college and stuff, they've got all the skills, all the, the tools they need. So now we want to kind of just teach them like um, how we'd expect the workflow to be and kind of see how we can improve their animation and help them kind of grow in their careers. And obviously we usually look for somebody that's showing like nice potential for growth and everything. And yeah, we, I think we got really lucky with our juniors. Like all the Although they, 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 they were on a mentorship program before when they were at university. So they, they were able, they were coming in once a week. Yeah, so true. they were kind of getting uh, uh, mentored in that regard. The uh, Laura, who was on my team, I mentored her as well. So when she came in, that's kind of, maybe that's why we worked so well together because we'd already had. But I don't necessarily believe you have to go to university. Um, there are guys that have done iAnime or uh, animation-specific course, and the, one of the leads at Axis, um, he's self-taught, so he just taught himself, um, and he's in a lead position. So yeah. I think if you've got the talent and you can prove that you, like Friedel says, you've got the ability to learn and, and grow, um, there's every opportunity for you to be to go in. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Like um, when I started in animation, like there wasn't, you couldn't find anything online. Like I think there was like one Keith Langer tutorial of how to do overshoot, and so there wasn't a lot to build from. And but now, geez, like YouTube is—it's <laughs> got more information than I think ever before. Like as far as animation goes, and like everything. So nothing stops somebody from saying, okay, I want to learn to animate, and just setting aside some time, and then maybe showing it to studios. Like ultimately. When we look at the showreel, we don't care where you studied or anything. We look at the quality of the work you're doing. Um, I had a, a girl that worked with us in South Africa um, at a previous studio I was at. She had like she did like a one week course in learning the basics of Maya or something. So, so when she came to us, she could like navigate. But she was passionate about animation, and she's now a lead animator at one of the top studios in South Africa. She's amazing. I'd love to get her here. Um, but it just kind of shows, like, if you've got that passion, um, you're going to do well. <laughs> no, there's nothing holding you back, and there's no excuses. All right? Yeah. In um, terms of budget from pilot, uh, obviously it's different from pilot to the actual commission. Yeah. Uh, what kind of budget are you working with the pilot, and how did that scale up when the show got commissioned for the seasons? That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't think I can answer that. I don't really know. Um, for my me, favorite. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I would I would look at a budget in ten in sense of how many animators I need, and that obviously that's obviously tied to salaries and stuff. So there's a generalist idea of like what a mid level, senior level kind of salary is. I would say I need 45 animators for this show. The product the producers would say, okay, Fruit needs 45 animators for this show. And they would pitch that to the clients, and the clients would be like, okay, well, that's what you guys need. So I think with Happy, uh, the difference with this show was they tended to give us what we needed. <laughs> so, which isn't what a lot of shows give you. Um, a lot of times you get a very specific budget. Um, I know Kiss Me First was a lot more specific in the sense of like, you guys have to make this work. Um, where with Happy, um, it wasn't always coming from our side. Like a lot of the time, the clients would come, like, we've got this extra character, we'd love to have it in the show. And we'd be like, okay, well, we'd, we'd figure out, okay, it's going to be about 20 extra days of animation, 20 extra days translates to this much salary per person, per studio cost, everything. And then we'd say that to them, and they would go, oh, we want it. So, yeah, it was, it was actually, um, 
rare, but it was a good relationship with the clients in that sense. But yeah, so I can't actually give numbers. I don't know. You should usually work in Scotland. You, you have the, the end of your budget quite quickly with productions. Yeah. You always get to the money. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also like, there's obviously a lot of stuff with the tax grants and stuff involved. Um, like we couldn't go to America because there were certain things about the production that just had to happen in America. And then there was certain stuff that just happened, had to happen in the UK. And we, we couldn't outsource anything. Everything happened within the UK. Um, but yeah, it worked, works out perfectly. I think something else here. Yeah. I just want to ask, I've heard that there's open days to go and visit access. Is that something that you guys know that you still do or is it just a group? We still do those. Um, yeah, actually no, last week like Joel was taking a group of people through the studio and stuff. Um, mainly just get in touch and find out, yeah, um, there's always gonna be an opportunity to just say, hey you wanna come through and yeah. I mean, that, that, that's how I got my job there. Um, you just stayed. <laughs> I never left, yeah. No, I was, uh, I was working for BBC Scotland, and um, the, I knew one of the animators at Axis, the lead animator, who was the lead on the pilot, Steve, and he told me that Axis might be looking for junior animators. So this is quite early on in my career, and I, I, I kind of lied. <laughs> I sent an email to Axis being like, um, hey, I, I walk past your studio every day. Can I just pop in and say hello? And they were like, oh, sure, yeah. And I didn't. I lived the other side of Glasgow, but I made my way over. And, um, and yeah, and I had a good meeting with them. And then they asked me to do a test. Uh, it was a layout test, um, which I did. And I thought I was going to have to do an animation test, but they just said, actually, do you know what? We have this job. Why don't you come in? And that was uh, five years ago, and I've not left. So I started as a junior, and I've warmed my way up to senior. <laughs> so... There's a lot of projects that happen in one year and stuff, so is there a level of experience? Like I was saying, like, for the juniors coming on to Happy, like, that's not a bad show for your first show in the industry to work on. Um, I think I was working on, like, beer commercials and everything when I was, anyway. All right, any, any more questions? Yeah? Curious about your time frames when you first started getting scripted to final delivery. Initial oh, footage. I know we had about 950 shots to do. Um, time frame wise, uh, we started September last year. So I think in September I started having a look at scripts. Like the crazy thing of this show is everything was happening at the same time. So I was, we were, yeah, we were, I think literally animating on episode two or three already, and they were still developing the scripts for like episode eight and nine or something. Um, and that's really hard when you have to like plan for how many animators you need and everything. So it was a very um, loose workflow. But yeah, um, time-wise, we started around September. Um, each, I think per month, we would almost like finish an episode or something. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my I, I can I only really remember the forty-one second shot I just finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had twenty-two days to take that from concept through to, so when I initially start working yeah. on it, through to final um, yeah. to final delivery. So I think I came in at about 20 days, 21 yeah. days. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't give you a full number for how many minutes, but like if it's roughly about, if you're looking about three to five seconds per shot average, and you've got about 950, so it was quite a lot. And then obviously you have the monster shots in between. Um, we were animating at a rate of average 1.8 seconds per day. Um, depending on the complexity and stuff, like a very complex shot would take an animator maybe 1.4 seconds a day or something like that, which is a good, very good quota rate for a TV series. Um, so, which just, that pretty much just allowed us to add in that extra polish face that we wanted. 
the same. But per, yeah, because it's, it's a pretty vague answer to your question. <laughs> well, I personally just get my shot and I go. I just work as fast as I can. You don't care. What I the... panic. <laughs> no, I've never. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those rare. I just, I'm not very good with spreadsheets, so yeah. I just let someone else tell me, <laughs> and I just do my job, and usually it works out. So. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of it's got the snowball effect that I'm almost like for for happy like where in the beginning like when we're getting the stuff I'm like really trying to structure it nicely like this animator is very good at these kind of shots, this one's good at this one. And then at the end, like when the scripts are just coming in randomly and sequences are being deleted and new sequences are added and we don't have the cameras, then I'm literally just putting animators where I can keep them busy. So it's kind of like it's getting, it gets more busy towards the end where you can just see the sequences like animator, different animator, different animator. Kind of thing for every shot anyway. Um, more questions? We're good? Yeah. All right. I cool. Think that's, yeah, I think that's us. That's about perfect timing about. Um, thank you so much, guys, for coming. I yeah. uh, really hope you watch season two. Um... <laughs> <laughs>